Thanks for taking the time to listen to this NHS Employers podcast. For all the latest NHS HR workforce information, visit www.nhsemployers.org. Hi there, Dean Royals here, Chief Executive of the NHS Employers Organisation. We've just had the government's response to the Robert Francis report into the events at Mid Staffordshire, and I just thought it would be useful to spend a few minutes giving my perspective on that. You'll be aware that Robert Francis' report was something like 2,000 pages long and had 290 recommendations, so there was always an anxiety that the overarching narrative about what the issues were would be lost and that we'd get a government response that effectively was a tick uh, box exercise around the 290 recommendations. But what the government has just done is given its uh, initial headline uh, response with more work to follow up. And in my view, I think that they've uh, captured on one of the central themes of this, which was around the importance of culture. And there's been lots in the paper and in the media about uh, culture, and everyone's got their own version of what the silver bullet would be. Uh, but you and I know that there is no magic wand to solve this issue of culture. It affects uh, an enormous amount of uh, work that we do. It's about recruitment, it's about selection, it's about leadership, it's about supervision, it's about how the system uh, works together, it's about resources. All those things have an impact on organisational uh, culture. And I think that what the report did uh, do as well is it sort of recognised that there's loads of the NHS where there is a really good organisational culture. What people experience from their NHS services is by and large hardworking, dedicated and committed staff trying to do their level best to improve patient care. But we know it's not right all of the time and in all of our organisations. So what the government's come up with is some of their ways that they think will give a fix uh, on that. And no doubt there'll be uh, more guidance notes and information coming out. Uh, Some of the sorts of things for me that I think are uh, worth a look at is that there were some recommendations that um, the government hasn't taken at face value. Uh, So these, for example, look at uh, healthcare assistant regulation. Uh, So one of the suggestions in Francis was that healthcare assistants uh, should be registered, and this has been rejected by the government. As an employer's organisation, we believe that's the the right thing to do. Uh, If you're wanting to get a dignity for patients, then regulation isn't going to do that by itself. So I think it's much more important that rather than get into a bureaucratic exercise about what is a healthcare assistant, you know, can we define what they do, uh, that we look to... Um, really have an impact in the areas that can have an impact on patient care. So like their selection, uh, like their training, like their development, their appraisals that take place, the supervision that they receive and the standards that they work to, I think will all give us uh, a bigger bang for our buck when it comes to patient care. Uh, The other area in the report that's got some controversy was about uh, staffing levels. So a number of people had suggested that there should be some form of minimum nurse staffing levels. And again, uh, the government's come out uh, against that. And we've argued as an organisation that it just seems inappropriate in a modern healthcare environment where we rely on a multidisciplinary team to try and set minimum standards, uh, sorry, minimum ratios for one uh, group of staff uh, like nurses. Um, and, and, and certainly that that is not something that could be set at Whitehall. Um, I think it's important that organisations are appropriately staffed, but the right people to judge that is individual organisations looking at the acuity and the dependency of their patients, looking at the models that are available for them, and then deciding what the right levels of staffing are, looking across the whole range of the multidisciplinary team. 
what I wanted to avoid was that we got an idea of a mini, minimum staffing levels that would be somehow at the expense of looking at the contribution of uh, other healthcare professionals. So we all know that in a modern ward environment that um, professions like occupational therapists and physiotherapists and dietitians and uh, speech therapists all play an important role in the care of the uh, patient. Uh, so uh, lots more in the report. We'll be updating our guidance um, uh, in particular issues around sort of whistleblowing, uh, the use of compromise agreements and the, the need for an express clause in there that um, gives uh, those that sign um, compromise agreements uh, absolute clarity on their ability to raise issues uh, that affect uh, patient care. So we'll be working hard, uh, uh, testing out with you the sorts of things that we're doing and getting information out to you just as soon as we can. If you want more information in the meantime, then please do have a look at our website, www.nhsemployers.org. Just about all the media coverage about the NHS at the moment is related to the Robert Francis report. Whether this was the original report or the government's response to it, it seems that everyone has a view about what the solutions are for the NHS. And one of the issues that's got lots of coverage has been around whistleblowing. Now, I know there's lots of debate about this because in the media, whistleblowing has become conflated with the ability of staff to raise uh, concerns. And whether you believe that this is the reality uh, or a perception that's been created, it's clearly uh, the case that this has had an impact on staff and we need to do something about that. Now, in response to all the media coverage that there's been, I know that many organisations will be looking at their policies and procedures and see what more that they can do. And certainly, as I'm round about the NHS, I know that people have been active in this area over a number of years. Uh, so people have updated their policies, people have published helplines and poster campaigns, people have uh, provided staff with information on how to raise concerns, sometimes in uh, handy-to-read uh, guides. Um, some organisations have got specially trained staff to support staff in these uh, circumstances, and most organisations have involved their trade unions to really try their best uh, to create an environment where staff are able to raise concerns. Now I know that one of the questions that's been raised is, is it good enough just for us to keep on revisiting our policies and procedures and the good things that we've been doing? So whether you accept the reality of this situation or the perception that's been created around whistleblowing, it's clear that this will have had an impact on staff in your organisation. So one of the first things we can do is accept that and have a look at what we can do to move the uh, debate on. So here's some suggestions. How about getting a newsletter article, an email or a letter to staff highlighting the organisation's commitment to and the support of staff that raise concerns? That's something you could do today. What about that you find examples within the organisation where staff have raised concerns, publish those and celebrate those examples of staff that have raised concerns and the impact that's had on patient care. Perhaps it might even have saved lives. Again, that's something that we could do today. What about having a look at your staff survey results? Uh, have a look at the headline figures, but also the variations within organisations. Is there anything there that concerns you? And if there is, perhaps concentrate your efforts in that those parts of the organisation where you see that. And again, you could be working with people to do that today. And then what about republicising those uh, helplines and the details of policies? Doing it again and again, get it in your newsletters, perhaps put it on as a screen saver um, within the computers that uh, people do. Let staff know who they can contact within the organisation. You could perhaps also let them know that they could contact their MP or local council if they don't feel there's someone in the organisation that they can raise concerns with. I know many of you will also have identified a non-executive director, so if necessary, people can move outside uh, the line. 
And then finally, perhaps if you have got a policy a procedure, often called something like voicing your concerns, have a look at the review date. If it's somewhere in the future, bring it forward. Let staff know that you're doing that and engage them in a discussion, in a discussion uh, to refresh and adopt and adapt that in light of the changing circumstances. Now, I know that won't solve all the problems and give staff reassurance all the time, but I just felt it was important to highlight some practical issues that we could do today. If you want more information about what we're doing to support employers around whistleblowing and staff raising concerns, then do have a look on our website at www.nhsemployers.org. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, then please do. You can get me at nhse underscore Dean. I look forward to connecting with you.